So, Jacob, if you had to tell somebody two things that they needed to bring with them into the ministry, what would you say? I'd probably have to go with have a good study Bible and also a mop. Those two things can't go wrong. A mop. Well, more on that in a second. This is 3790 After Dark. I'm your host, John Booth, here with Jacob Rinstead. Here we go. Jacob, why don't you explain the mop portion? I mean, the study Bible portion, I get, but let's talk about the mop. Yeah, so first off, um, I usually say a study Bible and a drill, um, just from my own personal experiences. Um, But as of last night, I am now putting in a mop because I feel like I may have mopped as much as I've drilled, (laughs) uh, screwed things in. So um, last night, oh, Monday night, we were getting ready for our podcast with Pastor Go check it out. Um, but um, so they close the coffee shop up and we usually go in after they close up when there's no noise or anything and we try to do the podcast. So they closed up. They were gone for about an, about an hour. Um, and so I'm sitting, me and John Michael are sitting there waiting on Pastor to get there. Pastor was running a little late. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and go get my notes, my Bible, and go ahead and get set up so we can just get started when Pastor comes in. So I walk to my office, and as I'm walking to my office, I pass by the girls' bathroom, and I just, like, my feet just, like, seem like my shoes, like, water just starts seeping in my shoes, right. and I'm like, swimming. what in the world is this? So I keep on walking, and when I keep on walking, water is legit running from underneath the wall in some, like, horror movie kind of thing, and I'm like, what in the world? So I, I, I run to the girls' bathroom door, and I was thinking maybe someone was in there who had like passed out and left the water running yeah. or something like that. Cause you could hear water, right? It, like it, it was so loud. It sounded like there was like a shower running, but we don't have any showers in our bathroom, obviously. Um, so I like bang on the door, no one answers. And so I open it up and someone had left the faucet on and the, it wasn't a draining fast enough. Mm. So the sink had overflowed. It had flooded the girl's bathroom and also started going underneath the doors and even underneath the wall. Um, <laughs> and so I yell for John Michael. Yeah. And, he's calling me and he's like, uh, hey, hey, John, I need your help. I said, oh, what's going on? Usually, you know, just move this, push that, whatever. He goes, uh, can you get the shop back? Shop back well for man. Like you, you spill some Cheetos or something. No, no, there's a there's a small flood in, in the in the foyer. <laughs> the rainbow did not shine over. No, it it did not. This was this was not quite Old Testament flood, but it was it was there, ankle deep. Yeah, and so we go and we start shotvacking up all the water. Um, pastor shows up. Luckily, as we're doing it, so we didn't have to, you know, help out anything. But a lot of times when you get into ministry, you'll find yourself doing that, getting ready to do something, um, whether it be teaching, preaching, singing, whatever it may do, some kind of ministry thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, something happens and you have to set out chairs. You have to do emergency shop vac. You have to... Uh, I don't know. The van runs out of gas. The AC stops working. You got to do something. Um, that's why that part of it is as much ministry as teaching and as discipling and as evangelizing. 
Right. So I was joking when I said the broom, but in all reality, it is something that if you're going into ministry to be prepared for is the work aspect of it. Right. There's always this uh, cleaning up the messes <laughs> mentality, right? And it's, to me, it's very reminiscent of what God does for us on a daily basis. So Ooh, son. he's always cleaning up our mess and we should be prepared to be servants as well and clean up other people's messes, even if it is a pain. But I like what you did there. You turned that all around. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, all right. Well, this is 3790 After Dark. I'm your host, John Booth, here with Youth Pastor of Greater Heights, Jacob Grinstead. We are talking about justification tonight. It's a, it's a topic that I think gets glossed over a lot, something that is very important, though. So, Jacob, why don't you get us started? Let's just dive into what the word justification in a biblical sense means. Yeah, so I think it's important to learn justification because it's kind of taking a magnifying glass or a microscope and looking into salvation. A lot of people, when we accept Christ into our heart, we don't understand the full magnitude of what we're getting, the full power of what we're getting, what all it entails. And so um, it's kind of like when I was buying the ring for my wife, now wife, um, they let you look at at it through a microscope. They let you... um, look at and they tell you all the color tints of it that even the cracks and the dimensions between the cracks like they go full into detail about that ring before you buy it and that's how you can understand the true beauty of it and that's pretty much what we're doing with justification you can do with um so with salvation you can do it with justification sanctification purification um, but tonight we're just doing with the justification and so if you look that up, whether you look it up in a strong concordance or whether you look it up in a dictionary, they all kind of go to the same place of meaning. Um, so it means justified means to render just or innocent, free to justify, to be made righteous. Um, so that's what that verse means. It's to, I always put it as to be made innocent um, of having like that slate clean. Right. I love the ring example right mm-hmm. looking at it under a microscope they really want you when you're buying that ring buying that diamond to understand the quality of what you're getting mm-hmm. the quality is often directly related to the price the father and the son paying the ultimate price for us should indicate to us that our justification is of the highest quality it's something that can't be replaced it's extremely rare extremely large gift um it is i i i struggle to find the words just just the the sacrifice and the quality of that sacrifice yeah the bible even says what greater love hath no man than this that he would lay down his life for his brother yeah that's your life is the most valuable thing us humans can imagine um and so that's the greatest price that you could pay is your life the for no greater love hath made this than one that would lay down his life for a, a friend or a brother. Yeah. E- even greater than that, surmounted by that, God's love, Jesus' love, laying down his life for those who didn't even like him. Yeah. Not just his brothers. Right. But those who didn't care for him at all. Mm-hmm. Just, again, the, the highest quality. So let's jump into some of the verses where it talks about this justification so we can help everyone kind of better understand the concept. Yeah, so... um with the meaning of it, there's a um, very well-known theologian named F.B. Meyer. Um, he even writes a lot of curriculums for um, some Christian curriculums so with Christian schools, with Bible colleges. He goes and speaks. Um, he's 
not alive anymore, but um, he puts it like this, and then we'll dive into the scripture, because I believe he puts it in a very elegant, poetic way. Um, He says, the doctrine of justification by faith, so closely associated with the work of Paul, that's in Romans when he's talking here, is here stated for the first time, and Jesus, there is forgiveness for those who trust in him, past sins are absolutely put away, never to be named again, never to be brought up at any future judgment day. Our record is as clear as the sand which has been swept smooth by the ocean waves. We are not only forgiven, but justified. We are treated as though we had never sinned and are justified from all things. It is a present fact. You may not feel justified or forgiven. I love that part. You may not feel justified or forgiven, but if you are trusting in Jesus, you are at this moment as certainly and as fully justified as have been the saints in heaven. I think that is one of, one of the best ways to put it that I, I can think of. Oh, yeah. So important, that part. I love the part that you mentioned about even if you don't feel it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of our society today places this giant emphasis on how we feel. You should do X, Y, and Z because you feel a certain way about it. You should support blank cause because you feel or it makes you feel. You should buy these clothes because they make you feel whatever. God doesn't care about how you feel. Like your feelings could never invalidate his work, his work of justification. So even if you're feeling like you've had a bad day or whatever is going on, you are still justified in Christ if you've come to believe, of course. Right, and even if you don't feel like you have been forgiven for it or you feel like maybe at a point in your life you've accepted Christ and then you look back at things and you think, how in the world can I be fully forgiven for what I've done? As we learn tonight, we're going to learn that your slate has been wiped clean. Your past has been wiped clean. You've been forgiven. As F.B. Meyer just said, just as the saints in heaven, you also are forgiven. Um, And so I was thinking that as we talk about justification, we can kind of go about it in the same way that the Jewish people had to learn it. Um, How Jesus taught it and even how the apostles taught it. Um, and even the disciples taught it, um, and the way that they had to learn it. So in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, you see here, um, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, um, that's kind of bold to say at the very beginning, but knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Right. It's, the examples are pretty glaring, right? There are laws in our society today that aren't necessarily just, in our opinion. There are some things in, in, in the law that don't line up with the things in the Bible because the law itself is not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, God's law and God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, are the only things that are sufficient for justification, sanctification, righteousness, etc. Um we as human beings just don't have the capacity or the power to make that call to justify something or someone because we ourselves are inherently unjust. Unrighteous. Yeah. Yeah. And even in how they're the, it says we who are Jews, we know that the Jews are being taught here. Um, even how they had to learn it, they're learning in this verse that it's not by the laws they lived after that makes them justified. So if you think back, their whole ancestry, every they're very um, ancestric people. I don't know if that's the... Tra- traditional. Traditional, sure. yes. That's a better way to put it. They're very traditional people. 
Um, they know their family lines. They know their family tree. They all go. They all talk about going back to Abraham right. and to Isaac. Um, they're very traditional people. So um, what they're being taught here goes against everything about their tradition. Because uh, Moses, when he led the Israelites out of slavery, um, and as he leads the people, um, if you go and study, and I looked it up, there's about 800, so I can't remember the exact number, but I believe it's 860-something laws that Moses right. wrote in the Old Testament of even things of um, what you're supposed to do with your donkey if it breaks a leg, <laughs> like 800-something right. like laws that they were supposed to follow. And they believed how closely they followed those laws depended upon made it to where how close they were with God. Right. The, so the law was a derivative of God for them. Right. Yeah. And so what they're learning here is totally taking their traditions and their religion and making it a 180. All of a sudden this man Jesus Christ introduces himself and it kind of helps you understand why they would maybe not follow after Jesus Christ um, at the very beginning because like who's this guy going to come and tell me that everything that I've been taught in my life is now being flipped upside down. Who is like who is this right. guy? Yeah. So um, their sanctification should now be coming through Christ. Right. But their whole lives, their grandparents' lives, et cetera, all the way back to the beginning, they were taught their sanctification came through the yeah, law. Yeah, their justification. Yeah, justification yeah. came through the law. Yeah. So and same as sanctification. Sure. <laughs> uh, but now we're talking about justification. Yes. But um, sanctification will be next week. Yeah. So that's what I believe. The first thing that the um. In my study, the Lord was showing me is that, which was something I already knew, but it's good to be reminded of it, is that you cannot be justified through your ancestry. You cannot right. be justified through tradition. Um, some other people call it like a piggybacking. Um, right. You can't go to heaven yeah. or have justification through that piggybacking. You and no other human can do the work for you. Only Christ could have right. done the work for you. Right, yeah, like for me I'm a pastor's kid. I've been raised in church. I've been to, I don't know how many revivals. Sure. And just because of that doesn't mean that I'm going to heaven. It doesn't mean that I'm justified. Um, if, if it was, then I feel like I would have been covered, but guess right. what? I wasn't. Um, I still had to make Christianity. I had to make my relationship with Christ myself. In, in my the own. same way, right? Nobody else's sins are your own. They're not your sins. Right. We understand that sin is a pre-existing condition of the world. We live in a fallen world, yes, but your sins are your own. Nobody else's sins are yours. So in the same way, your justification has to be your own. You can't, you can't piggyback, like you said, piggyback off anyone else. Yeah, and it's also important to realize that you, <laughs> this is going to be kind of harsh, but you don't have justification if you don't have Jesus Christ. Right, of course. If they did not believe on Jesus Christ, they were not justified. Right. If we do not believe in Jesus Christ, we are not justified. So before we go on and talk about the rest of this that's why it's so important to get this at the very beginning is we have to ask ourselves the questions are we justified and if so then let's learn the rest of what it means right yep so in in being justified through christ let's go ahead and look through the things well one thing that we've already mentioned you can't be justified through which is the law so mm -hmm. romans three twenty one through 24 i'm just going to read 21 to start but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Right. Let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so um, this verse is kind of explain like the righteousness of God in a way, um, and it's without the law. Right. So the righteousness of God without the law, and that righteousness is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ replaces the law. Right. So many like so many people today are like asking the question how does God allow so much brokenness or how does even God feel about brokenness in the world? And you know exactly how God feels about it 
because he sent his son to save everybody from it. Right. Um, that's how much he hates all this brokenness is because through his righteousness, Jesus Christ, we were supposed to be healed from that. Right. But the problem is, is the lack of acceptance of it. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I like that the verse makes the distinction that the law and the prophets are a witness to God's righteousness saying that God's righteousness, Christ is something that is totally separate from the law. He's taken man out of the equation totally because he knows that we are literally incapable yeah. of coming into that righteousness with, without the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so like pretty much um, what that verse is saying, especially in the first part, it, it's the rightness of God has been made visible through Jesus apart from the law. Right. And that apart is all caps. Separated. <laughs> Jesus separated from the law. Yeah. Um, but then it even goes on, and I found it instant interesting that he said law and the prophets Mm -hmm. um and so how does so like how does the law and prophets point to jesus being the justification so like why did they make it so that's the question i asked myself when studying this why do you make it it precise in the way of saying the law and the prophets um i've even been asked as a youth pastor of why um why is it important that we read the Old Testament? Mm. Like if Jesus came and made it separate from the law or salvation, then why is it important to understand the Old Testament, right. understand the law, like learn the law, learn about the prophets. And I think the first point of that is the law and the prophets are there to help us see that we're not a good person. Right. If you study and look at the law, if you look at the prophets, it'll help you understand you're not a good person. Now, um, like I said, there's 800 and something of of the laws that mm-hmm. Moses wrote, and um, but if you look at the main ten that everybody knows, what are they called? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Okay. <laughs> so if you even look at the Ten Commandments, every single person here, um, every single person listening in our church, if you look at, and we took a test, every single one of us would make a zero. Right. Um, now somebody might be sitting back and saying, I've never killed anybody. Cause one of the 10 commandments sure. is don't commit murder. Thou shalt not kill. Um, he's like, I've never killed anybody. Well, Jesus goes on and says, if you you've even thought it, if you've even right. thought it or had that, those thoughts in your heart, then it's already been done. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, I've never committed adultery. Um, well, if you've thought it, then as Jesus goes on to say, if you've thought it, then you've committed it. So every single person in the law and the prophets are there to show us, how bad of a people we are. Right. Um, I think when I talked about this and told this once, I just straight up said we're terrible people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it looked like some people got offended by that. But it is important to understand the lesson that's being taught from the law and the prophets of how we, as you said earlier, there's no way we would be able to have a relationship with God if it was up to right. us. Right, and that's an important distinction, right? We, yes, we're terrible people. It's a, it's, a, it's a true statement. We're not terrible people by a human standard. Mm-hmm. By the human standard, a lot of us are pretty good, yeah. especially the church folks, right? We're good to each other. We're good to the non-believer. We're good to our neighbor, etc. Of course, by a broken human standard, we can be good. What we're talking about is a heavenly standard, a perfect standard. Of course, none of us are perfect. Of course, we are terrible people compared to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So when you're looking at it holistically, th- th- this is the reason that Christ makes the distinction in my in my mind of if you've even thought it, you may as well have done it because from his standard, the perfect holy standard, God has never even thought an evil thought. Never, never once. So, of course, we, it, we cannot achieve that level of perfection. So, 
by the godly standard, yes, we're terrible people. By the person standard, of course, we're not all terrible people. Right. But that's not what's being compared here. We're not comparing apples to apples. This is apples to God. <laughs> right. It's a totally different league. So try try not to get offended out there if you're listening. We're not <laughs> we're not saying we don't like you. We love you. Right. But God loves you so much that he will let you know that you're not doing things right according yeah. to his law. Yeah, and the whole point of us going over this is to understand that as the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an understanding of justification. To fully comprehend and understand the beauty of salvation and what comes with that in justification, you first have to understand how you didn't deserve it. You first have to understand how how much of a gift it actually is. Like I think modern-day Christianity, especially in America, we sometimes think that we are um, we deserve salvation or it's something that... We don't understand the full capacity of it. So we're like, yeah, um, I can go across the street and, you know, salvation, salvation. Like everybody's talking about it, right? But it is such a gift, especially if you fully understand who you are right. and what and what you deserve because of who you are. Um, then we could fully understand the beauty of Justification, right? Justification, sanctification, sanctification, and salvation are not things just for you. It's not just a thing for you. It is a demonstration of the awesome power of God. Only a perfect, a genuinely perfect, holy being could bridge that gap between sinful man and perfection. Only something, someone in our in our case, God and Jesus, that is that is above good and evil totally can can bridge that gap yeah and i know we're about to go to the commercial break um but i am excited after the commercial break to kind of get into um the second reason that it that the law and the prophets are brought up because it talks about jesus being the fulfillment Mm -hmm. and so when we come back we'll dive into that a little bit deeper all right we're going to take a quick commercial break and hear from Miss Lauren talking about the coffee shop. Don't be afraid to come visit us, 3790 Post Road here at Greater Heights. See you in a sec. The Heights is Forsyth County's newest all-in-one spot for coffee, co-working, events, sports, and more. Whether you need a quiet office space when your current work-from-home environment gets a little noisy, or you want to meet up with some friends to grab a cup of coffee, the Heights is your go-to place for a variety of needs. The coffee shop is open through the week from 8 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., closing at 5 p.m. on Wednesdays, and open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more information on our event, co-working, and gymnasium spaces, and to view our full coffee and espresso menu, visit our website at 3790theheights.org. We'll see you soon. And we are back. Thank you, Lauren, for telling us a little bit about the coffee shop. So just to recap where we were before we took the break, we talked about the righteousness of God as it relates to justification. We also went in and defined justification, read a little bit of the scripture. We talked about the law and the prophets and how God's justification is separated from both of those things. And now we're getting into the second portion of the law and the prophets segment. Why Jesus fulfills everything that is in the law and of the prophets. Yeah, so there's this point after the resurrection where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. And he stops and he shows, um, he opens up the Old Testament and shows them every law and every prophecy that he fulfills. So that's another reason, there's another point why the law and the prophets are important for us to understand is because a lot of the, well, the Old Testament is a coloring book of the New Testament, right? 
Um, and so Jesus stops and he shows them. He opens it up and shows them all the ways that he has fulfilled the prophecies and he's fulfilled the law. And I just thought that was really cool um, to even further understand that Jesus was the fulfillment. He is the fulfillment period. He fulfilled every prophecy and every law. Right. So earlier, to that end, earlier we read Romans three twenty-one through 24, we read verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Jumping down now to verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto, unto all and upon all of them that believe. For there is no difference. Verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Or Christ Jesus as is written here. Yeah, so I think what's huge there is in verse 24, where it says, being justified freely. That's a huge freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Um, It says freely because it wants to know that it's a free gift. Because we are born sinners, we deserve to be punished, right? That's the whole reason why we need salvation. That punishment is hell um, and the judgment of God. So just as we were punished by our parents, by coaches, by, um, you know, any kind of punishment you've had. Um, we also deserve that punishment for ourselves. That one of the first podcasts, John Michael and I talk about how we had to run because the uh, team stole Skittles yeah. from the vending machines and stuff. Um, we deserve that punishment, right? <laughs> well, that's still for debate. No, yeah. I'm no I mean, but um, <laughs> the people that did that deserved the punishment. Um, just as we have lived, um, have lived, the lives that we've lived and have even sinned, we deserve the punishment for those sins. But Christ made sure to make a way that we don't have to go through that punishment. Mm. He made a way to where he fully pays that debt. And even after salvation, your debt is still paid. So like it was a hard day for me when I accepted Christ and then realized I'm still going to sin. Right. But it was a great day when I realized that even though I'm still sin, I'm also justified. Right. That, that word justified um, and John Michael knew I was going to bring this up, um, but that word justified is better represented by saying just if I'd had never. Right. So justified, just if I had never. You got to um, put on the country accent. Justified, <laughs> never say <seen. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's like one of those things that like, a lot of people are like, so you mean to tell me all I have to have is faith and all I have to do is accept Jesus Christ in my heart and then I'll be justified. My, my past will be wiped clean and mm-hmm. even your future of what things can happen will be white clean and yes that's exactly what i'm telling you um jesus did all the work for you it says that it's a free gift mm-hmm. but it came someone had to pay for it right it's a free gift to you but understand that someone had to pay for it right yep there there is this freedom in justification and salvation it, it does come at a price it came at the price of the life of jesus christ you are supposed to die daily repent strive to be a better person which we can never be perfect we can never really be all that much better but once you have accepted this justification it there is and and anyone that's born again christian will tell you there is something in you that spurs you into that action spurs you into learning striving to be better it's not just a so i can look good for the lord thing because he knows what we are Mm -hmm. he knew from the beginning what we were it is this kind of indescribable feeling of wanting to get as close to God as possible. I don't really know how to explain that to anyone that doesn't 
have the spirit, but right. it's, it's just this, this thing that pushes you, pushes you to God, pushes you closer to God. Cause as we know, sin is separation from him. So right. it's running from that separation, running toward this closeness with him. Yeah. And when it comes to our sin, um, it's important to understand that Jesus came and was treated as you should be treated. Right. Um, so like I said earlier, it was free to us, but it came with the payment, it came with the payment of Jesus's life. It came with the payment of Jesus's blood. That was the currency for your salvation was the blood of Jesus Christ. The currency of your clean slate of your clean past was the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, and we can even look at that deeper in the parable of that talks about justification in the parable. Before, before we jump into that, oh yes, yeah, no, no, you're good, you're good. I something you said was that Jesus was treated as we should have been treated. One of the things my mother always taught me as a child, it's, it's the golden rule. Everybody knows it, right? Treat others as you wish to be treated. Mm-hmm. One thing I've always loved about the Lord is that he never expects us to just do things on our own. He always does them first. God and, and Christ treated us as he would want to be treated, loved us first, sacrificed himself for us, and was a servant first. Jesus bent down and washed the disciples' feet. He always treated others as he wanted to be treated and as he wanted us to treat each other. He's all, Christ and God have always been the roadmap for that. So we talk about living our lives as a, as a living sacrifice. Christ was first the living sacrifice. God doesn't ask you to do anything that he isn't prepared to do himself. Right. And he, he has laid down his life for us and doesn't even ask that much of us, just asks for faith. It's such an incredible, and, and, and we, we, I think we misapply, treat others as you want to be treated so much. Yes, it's talking about man to man. We are supposed to treat each other with respect and love and dignity and, and treat each other the way we want to be treated. But we're missing how we've been treated by the Lord and how he has, he has first served us, loved us, sacrificed for us. Why is it so difficult for us to do the same? Right. And that's a that's a hard reality to look at, and you realize just if you want to know how how broken and how bad we are, look at that. Do you treat the Lord the way that you want to be treated, even though He treated you first? Most of the time, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of the time, no. But again, it just proves the love and the perfection of well, Christ. And that even shows how awesome justification is, too. Right. Because God and Jesus treated us the way. He still died for us knowing that we were going to treat him the way that he should be treated. Right. Expecting nothing in return. Yeah. On earth, we do not praise God the way that we should. Not even I don't even know. I don't even know if we can comprehend how much and even perform until we get to heaven and lay those treasures and those crowns at his feet. Um, crowns and treasures that he gave us. Yeah, that, that he gave us. <laughs> Give it back to yeah. him. Um, but it does show that even though we don't, we should try. We should try our hardest. Um, but even in times that we don't, that doesn't change the way that he looks at us. Right. And I think that's a very good way of explaining that justification. Right. Let's, let's look at the way that Jesus talks about justification through the parables. Okay. Luke 18, 9 through 14. I'll start with 9. And he spake this parable unto a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed, prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like this other man, or that I'm not as this other man, as, as other men are, sorry, excuse me, extortioners, 
unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Verse 12. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, verse 13, and the publican staring, standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Yeah, so I think it's important in this parable to understand the two characters that we have. We have the Pharisee, and then we have the publican. Now, the Pharisee we know was a religious ruler. He um, was very well known. People respected him. Um, you know, if they were in his way in the temple, they probably got out of his way. Um, people bring him gifts, very, um, spiritually respected man. Um, and then you have this publican. And if you study this publican, um, I believe in even other translations, it says tax collector. Um, you will realize that it's a tax collector. And even if you study the tax collectors, you'll see how hated they were by the Jews. Many of the tax collectors were Jews. And what they were doing is they were taking money from their old, own people and giving it to the Romans. And even the people who were ahead of the tax collecting, they didn't probably didn't have the word association, but um, what they did is they bought out pretty much the Romans. They had enough money to pay off the Romans to where they could split it. So the people who were taking from the, the Jews who were taking from the Jews were also getting a huge profit right. and taking their money with taxes. Yep. Um, and that, I believe that's also why, <laughs> um, if you ever watched The Chosen, I think they do a really good job of representing um, the contrast between Matthew and Peter and John, the fishermen who were trying to get by, and then Matthew, who was a tax collector. They mm-hmm. could probably tell how they didn't really get along, especially at first. Um, but with those two characters, you see the Pharisee. He goes in to pray, and let's read what he says to pray. The Pharisee stood and prayed, Thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes all that I possess. So when you read that, John Michael, what would you say about the Pharisee? Yeah, forget this guy, man. (laughs) Uh, I can only imagine the audacity, one, to talk about yourself as if you were above other people. Mm -hmm. Two, to do so in the temple, in the house of God, to God, a holy God who knows what you are and knows the kind of person you are. And three, to do it not only not only in front in front of God and in the temple, but in front of the person that you're talking bad about. <laughs> the phrase that gets used in the teens a lot is the audacity. <laughs> <laughs> that is this is the epitome of audacity. Oh yeah. You are telling God, thank you for making me so great. Um, I just really appreciate it. You know, I'm not like these other fools, especially not this guy, stinky guy in the corner. <laughs> well, it's like those, um, I don't know if you've seen those Instagram videos or reels where they have like the two cups and a picture of water. And it's like when God made me like the yes, smartness, yes, yes. the funniness, it's like pouring all of it in the smart. Right. <laughs> like that's how I see this going on. Yeah. Um, so that's how the Pharisee prayed. Yeah. And then the publican who... Stood afar off, the Bible says. Barely got in the door. Barely right. got into the door. He says this, and the publican standing afar off would not even lift up so much his, as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be, verse, be merciful to be a sinner. He it, recognizes his brokenness. Oh, yeah. And he can't even, can't even look up. 
I see the Pharisee with his head held high and his hands out. Mm. And this guy is huddled in the corner. Oh, yeah. Lord, please just well, show me some mercy. And I think it's important to understand that people may be walking by or looking around, would see the Pharisee using hand gestures, would see the Pharisee doing everything religiously right. And then you see this man who may be even trembling trying to come to the temple, and they would all say, that Pharisee is what you're supposed to be like. Right. That Pharisee is what I need to do tomorrow, or maybe I've already done that today. Um, the Pharisee, they would all think, is the example. But what Jesus Christ says in verse 14, I tell you, this man, talking about the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Right. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This is something you and I have talked about a lot, right? The world has this definition of success, and it wants to trick you into thinking that this is the right way, being the way of the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. And so many people fall into that, even someone who's supposed to be a religious leader. There are, there are preachers and pastors that I know that live this way. And they are seen by the world and by other people as the example. But in reality, Christ is asking us to have this humble spirit and realize that we're broken because we, we are. <laughs> and it says that for, for the one that exalted himself shall be abased. Being abased means to be without. To, to have whatever it is that you've got going on taken away. I think people miss the concept that this may not be talking about during the physical life. The Pharisee probably went home and was still a rich man until he died and still had all this fame and glory. But when he stood at the gates of heaven, he would probably, he, I, I, I believe he was standing there without. Mm-hmm. It, it, all, all those riches and glory and all this stuff that you know, piling up these heavenly treasures, I just don't see him having any of that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he was a Pharisee, so that means he didn't believe on Jesus Christ. Right. So, yeah, so. So we know. Um, but I think what what's really cool about this publican is he understood who he was. Right. Or he, well, I'll say it like this. He understood who he is. Right. He came in there knowing exactly what people thought about him mm-hmm. and even what he thought about himself. Now, I'm not saying go out there and have low self-esteem. Okay. Right. <laughs> but he was... Um, some people say like this, he was a self-aware man. Sure. Um, the Pharisee was a de- deceiver of him own so, his own self. Right. And I believe that as Christians, it's important to sit, to pause and look at ourselves. Am I deceiving myself in my religion and in my Christianity of how spiritual I think I am? Right. Or am I self-aware? I, I always think that the a lot of people don't go to the altar because they're afraid that people might think that they have problems. When I see someone go to the altar, I see someone who's getting their problems fixed. Right. When I see people stand back, and if um, this sound, I don't mean this like sound judgmental, but this is, and it's not like I look at someone and think this way, but I'm right. just thinking as the altar as a whole. Um, someone just sitting back and saying, I don't need that. I don't need to humble myself before the Lord. I don't right. need to come forward and discuss my, my, my needs and my sins to Christ so that everybody knows that I'm a sinner. As we just learned in this parable, the one who goes and mm-hmm. humbles themselves is the one who leaves justified rather than the other. Right. I, someone told me this a long time ago. They said, you know, oh, if your Bible's falling apart, your life probably isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's just hitting me hard right now because 
this Pharisee seems like the type of person to have a pristine, pristinely pressed paged Bible. Yeah. No notes. Like. No, no <laughs> notes. Yeah. No high, no icky highlighter. <laughs> right. And this publican probably got, got the free copy from a friend and it's, mm. it's fallen to pieces and, and, but, but his life isn't. And it's just this, this trap that we fall into all the time of, well, oh, so-and-so just got it together. Whatever it is, they've got the job, they've got the house, they go to church eight times a week. You know, they're there every time the doors are open. There is nothing on this earth, no action other than faith. Set that aside for a second. No action that can justify you aside from faith in Christ. Right. Nothing. It doesn't matter how many times you're at the church. If if that's not sinking in and you're not realizing what kind of person you are and turning to God for justification of your salvation there is nothing that can save you and I think that this is even a good um, parable that even can help newly Christians um, new in the faith who may be getting discouraged mm. of sitting back and seeing these people at church who they got their as you were saying they got their life together they can speak and theoretically yeah 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 theoretically yeah um they can memorize scripture they know all the books of the bible when when the pastor gets up and says please turn here they know exactly where to go and i have to go the concordance in the front and figure out (laughs) and figure out where job is you know um but you can't let sometimes you're letting a pharisee discourage you right Someone who has been taught everything in their mind, in their head, but it hasn't gone to their heart. Or sometimes you can't let someone who is further on and older in their relationship with Christ discourage you of where you are. This publican was at the very beginning. This publican was at the very beginning of humbling himself and just trying to say something to get it right. He just needed Christ. And he left more justified than the man who maybe said everything correctly but didn't mean it in his heart. Right. God knows your heart. Jesus knows your heart, and that's the biggest thing when it comes to this justification, right? And and salvation is your heart, um, not what everybody else perceives, but your heart. Turning to the Lord and lifting each other up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that is it for us on 3790 After Dark. Join us next week. We'll be talking about sanctification, slightly different. It's another ION word, still a good one. Check us out Sunday mornings, 1045, for the Sunday service. Also, Sunday evenings at 5 o'clock. And Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock for the teens. 3790 Post Road, Greater Heights Baptist. See you next time. So, Jacob, if you had to tell someone who's just starting in the ministry two things that are of the utmost importance, what would you say? Uh, I'd probably have to go with have a good style. Like a... Hmm. Cut. <laughs> <laughs>